Welcome to another episode of Bleachers and Boards, brought to you by the Hoop Heads Podcast. I'm Marlon Guild, and along with my co-host Matt Collier, we'll analyze everything from hoops to hip-hop. Check us out. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Bleachers and Boards. Here with my co-host, Coach Marlon Guild. How's everything going tonight, man? I'm good, man. In a good space today. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. All right. Everything, uh, practice and everything starting off well with you guys? Guys uh, getting it together out there? Uh, we getting it. I don't know if it's together, but we getting it. <laughs> yeah, know, y'all get it right. Y'all get it right. On our roster. So, you know, 10 new guys is a slow you know, process, but we're going to get there, man. I, I'm okay. on with, with this group, man. No, that's what's up. That's what's up. Well, definitely, uh, you know, looking forward to another great episode, which I know we're going to have tonight. Got a, a legend, a legend, New York City legend in the building with us today. Coach Terrence Wrencher, Creighton University basketball. What's going on, Coach? Uh, all good, man. Appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, been a long time coming. We're trying to line this up. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have a good one tonight, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. This is, uh, you know, what we do here is just try to uh, learn from each other and share the game. And uh, you obviously have a, a wealth of experience, uh, successful experience as a player and as a coach. Uh, so this is a great opportunity for us to uh, to learn from you and then also share with uh, with our audience uh, here at Bleachers and Boards. So, you know, the, one of the things that we like to start off with, obviously, your um, your your story has been told, you know, a lot. Um, and, you know, we try to do things differently. And uh, the best thing that we try to do is just try to give guys the opportunity and the platform to speak about why you are more than just a recruiter. Obviously, you have a lot of relationships, you know, popular player, successful player, um, and, and um You've done a great job, you know, throughout your career you know, as a player and as a coach. Um, but, uh, you know, we like to talk about how you see yourself as being uh, more than a recruiter and what you bring to a program um, as a coach. Right, right. Now, and that's, that's, that's a good deal, man, because obviously, like uh, me and Marlon was talking earlier off camera, uh, you know, these Zooms, you know, throughout the pandemic have been great. Um, you know, it's been great to learn more. It's been great to stay connected with guys and, and, and meet new guys and, and develop new relationships. But, you know, after a while, man, it got, it got, it got kind of bland and, you know, recycled all of these same topics and, and same conversations. So it was definitely refreshing to be a part of uh, what you guys are doing. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. Now, so. I'll throw this in there. So, 
course, everybody that listens, you know, Matt, they think we got the New York City bias, but I don't care. <laughs> um, you know, we, we got a legend on head, like you said. And for me personally, you know, I just want to tell T. Rents, thank you, um, you know, for laying the foundation for guys like myself. Um, you know, before we got on there, man, I was telling the story. Um, and, and this was true. You know, I, I still remember as a kid, man, watching T. Wrench in high school, watching him at, at St. Ray's um, play and then go to Texas and then, you know. Crush it. Crush it. <laughs> Crush it. You get more than that. But Crush it. That's, that's going to be for the next time. He, he <laughs> but, you know, I, I told T. Wrench this story, and, and it's the truth, right? So his rookie year. He's in the NBA playing on Miami Heat. And the game at the Garden, when they came, when Miami came to town, it was Pat Riley's first game. Oh, is that that game? Wow. How about that? That's wow. I didn't know that. Okay. That, when he came out clapping because the fans were going to Yo, but that wasn't even it for me. I went to the game because T. Wrench was playing on the Miami Heat. It's a true story. You know what I'm saying? I, I went to that game just because – and I'm even – I'm going to show my age a little bit, T. Wrench. I got a couple of your basketball cards too that, you know, we're we going to send that to you um, so I can show my kids and things like <laughs> that. Man. But, nah, I, I'm I'm going to enjoy this one. Uh, you know, whatever stories you got, please tell it. And, and when we get off the air, unfortunately, the listeners will not hear the other stories, but I will hear it. Um, I'm looking forward to this, man. So I'm not going to do too much talking. I'm excited about this one. No, I appreciate that, Marlon, man. That's, that's you know, that, that's heavy, you know what I mean, in terms when, when you really just kind of remove yourself from it and, and then just take that in and understand that, you know, you know, I did make an impact to some degree. Uh, you know, because to be honest with you, man, when we first started, we just hooping, man. We love to yeah. hoop. And, you know, everything else kind of comes from there. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go generation against generation, but – you know, I think some of these guys now put the cart before the horse in, in, in some ways. You know what I mean? They, they want everything that comes with it, but, you know, the substance isn't, isn't respected to a certain degree. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of went about it organically. Man. I just love to play. I wanted to be the best player I could. And, you know, because of that, um, you know, now I'm starting to reap some of the rewards of, of, of some of those types of comments that you just said, man. So that's greatly appreciated. And like I said earlier, man, because – I'm old and nobody cares anymore. When I hear that, man, that, that makes me feel good, man. So I appreciate that. Yeah, much respect, man. Much respect. What's up? So now, so you're you know, currently coaching at uh, Creighton University out in uh, um, Omaha, right? Is it? I know. Yeah, Omaha, Nebraska. So you, uh, so you know, you're but you're in the Big East. Obviously, highly competitive, but you guys have had you know a lot of success. Uh, Coach McDermott has a, had a lot of success, and then uh, you guys have been doing well since you've been there. So, um, definitely um, looking forward to learning a little bit about you know what you guys do. Um, obviously, Creighton has the reputation of being really sound and um, innovative offensively. You know, when you think of Creighton basketball, you think about offense and high scoring offense, and obviously, that's you know what 
people like to see. So that, you know, it's definitely going to be a great uh, opportunity for us to learn um, a little bit about what you guys do. I know, you know, season's coming up, so we may not get the full gamut, but uh, anything you could, uh, you're willing to share with us would be definitely appreciated by us and the listeners as well. So, you know, it's uh, the floor is yours and we're looking forward to checking it out. All right, cool. I'm going to uh, share my screen right quick. Okay. Uh, a couple slides. All right. Um, yeah, man. So like, like you guys mentioned, man, you know, Coach McDermott and, and, and our program, we've been known for, you know, being a big time, innovative, fast paced type of offensive system. Um, these are some of the stats I think are crazy high level in the 10 years that Coach Mack has been, uh, you know, the head coach at Creighton. Um, so, and these obviously are, are NCA numbers in terms of 350 plus schools, man. So if you just look across the bottom, um, fourth and field goal percentage. This is 10 years worth. Um, third and three-point percentage. Third and three-pointers made. Fourth and assists. And this was last year. We were fifth and effective field goal percentage. So, you know, I think just being around the program and, and, and absorbing this information, I mean, I think, I think a few things play into this. Uh, number one, you know, you, you, we recruit to it. Uh, I think we have a clear understanding of what type of personnel uh, – is successful in, in our system. Um, you know, we, we don't try to fit square pegs in the round holes, uh, per se. Um, and then, you know, we, we're committed to playing like that. You know what I mean? So, you know, a lot of people say they want to shoot threes. They want to play fast. They want to play in, in space with pace. Uh, but you have to work at that. And you got to be committed to it. Uh, you got to be detailed within it. Um, and and it, it, it's an everyday process, uh, you know, is something that we just harp on in terms of the details of what we do to make uh, this stuff effective. Um, so that's just one something that I think is really, really uh, impressive about you know Coach Mack's ten years at Creighton. I mean, those are some really, really high, high Absolutely. quality numbers. Um, and then you know, to be honest with you, if you just look at being fourth in in, in assists in the NCAA over ten years, I mean, I don't think you can play a style like this. Um, again, it's about recruiting to it with selfish guys. Um, I think one of the reasons why it, it works is because of the, the, the quality of the character of our guys. They know if they swing an extra or one more, they know probably the next time down it, it, it could be them on a receiving end. So, um, you know, it's, that's really important to us because um, it's hard to insert an a innately selfish person into this type of mix and get them to buy in. So we, we really, really target that um, in the recruiting process. All right. So we go to this next slide, man, for us, good offense, man, it's just getting the defense and the scrambling. All right. And, and we like to do that within the first eight seconds. Uh, we play fast. We, we want to get uh, quality shots. Uh, you might see some clips where we don't have numbers uh, per se, um, but the guy is open and we encourage that. All right. We encourage that. We'll skip down a little bit to talk about some of the stuff we love offensively, you know, obviously wide open layups, uh, getting to the free throw line, uh, driving kick threes, driving kick extra pass threes. All right? and we, we all right with contested shots at the rim, but you see down at the bottom in red uh, we, we, with some stars next to it, we do not like the mid-range shots. Uh, you know, obviously analytics play a part in that. Um, but, you know, that's kind of Coach Max's deal. And, uh, you know, our guys, again, we, we, uh, we stay away from it. You know, obviously basketball is basketball. You have to shoot some of those, you know, the circumstances dictate – but, um, you know, we, we, we plan for that extra point, uh, per se. All right. So and then we, we got a chart for a pace. All right. So 
the bottom numbers are, the, you know, the shot clock, the time on the shot clock. So you can see our points per possession are the highest within, within the first eight seconds of the shot clock, um, then goes down slightly, then back up. And then we, we're worse. We're, out, we're at our worst at the end of the shot clock. So it makes sense kind of the way we play uh, and why we play the way we play just based off uh, looking at these numbers. All right. So uh, now, now is that just one, one quick question. So do you, are you – the way it breaks down on, your, on the chart, do you emphasize those times? Obviously you, emphasize, so obviously you emphasize the first eight seconds, right? But now do you emphasize that 12 to 6 range of the shot clock or does it just it just kind of happens that way? Does that make sense? No, I understand what you're saying. I, yeah. I definitely understand. It just happens that way. We obviously, okay. uh, that first eight right. seconds. Uh, I think beyond that, you'll get them thinking too much, and you know, then then it kind of takes away some of our strengths. But we definitely gotcha. harp on, you know, getting getting that ball up the floor as fast as possible, and and, and getting the first available good shot for us, um, which obviously is the first eight seconds. But that's a great question, Coach. I never even never even thought of that, but. Uh, yeah, we just try try not to cloud them too much with thoughts. Uh, we just want them to think about being aggressive in that first eight seconds. Okay. All right, so the first, you know, clips, we'll, we'll go over uh, some of our transition stuff. So here's just some of our rules, and it's not very much different from, you know, what a lot of people do. Uh, you know, obviously just starting from the top, pace and space. Um, I think what makes us really good is after makes, the way we attack after people score on us. Um, you know, we, we are known as an offensive outfit. We, you know, we understand that you got to defend if you want to cut down nets. And we are, you know, steadily taking steps to become better on that end of the floor. Um, but it's nothing uh, more gratifying, to be honest, in our program than if somebody makes a two on us to get that thing out and bang them with a three five to seven seconds later to really just take the air out of them. So uh, those, those, those are like big plays for us. Uh, so that's that's big. Um, you know, obviously we want to run on misses, but, you know, getting getting down floor and getting quick opportunities on makes uh, is big time for us. All right. So in terms of our point guards, we always want them to catch the ball on the move. Uh, we want them to have a quick read process uh, in terms of uh, quick count um, numbers. Um, and again, that kind of goes back to recruiting because, you know, we, we believe that, you know, we'll, we'll sacrifice some athleticism for some skill and some feel. All right, so, you know, especially at that point guard position. Uh, so we like to, you know, obviously get the ball across the middle, the middle of the floor in transition, attack an elbow in unison with our big, and then play from there. All right, and I, we just the – the cumulative effect of that time after time after time after time and putting that type of pressure on the defense eventually. And, you know, a lot of times we notice, like, probably between the 12-minute to 6-minute mark in the second half is when you start reaping some of those rewards. Uh, it's – seeing people wear down and start to blow assignments and, and lose some focus. And uh, a lot of times that's where we open games up. Um, in terms of our wings, it's pretty simple. We just want them to sprint deep to the corners, run wide and get deep in the corners. Um, you know, we don't mind if it's unbalanced and they, and they run, run down the same side of the floor. Uh, we, we can play out of that or we can send uh, that, that, that first guard down through the block to the opposite corner. All right? And then again, it's about staying disciplined, staying, staying wide, staying deep, and not creeping up and being a ball magnet, just keeping the spacing on the floor. Um, our big, just a five-man, or first big down, just a rim runner. All right? A lot of people do, uh, are familiar with that concept, just running to the front of the rim, trying to get a quick early seal, um, and, and try to find, get, a, get a quick one. All right? and a lot of times, especially in transition, 
the way people set their transition defense up, it's a lot of times a small guy back in the hole. Uh, so we looked to try to get a quick, quick uh, mismatch uh, in, in that regard. Uh, then the trailer, he's just a trailer. Obviously, you know, we play through him. Uh, we swing the ball through him. He can go into a drag. Uh, he can go into a, a screen away um, with the opposite wing. Um, pretty simple stuff, man. It's just, like I said, we are really dedicated to it, and we are just constantly harping on uh, these details on an everyday basis for as simple as they seem. All right, so now we'll just go to some of the clips. We'll start with some, some practice clips, just some 5 on 0 stuff so you can get a feel for it. Then it'll, then it'll transition into some, some, game, uh, some game clips here. See, here we go. Just five on no spacing, right? You see how the point guard crosses the midline? Then we can go into it. Let, let me before we even go any further. Let me let me just say this: as, as you're watching our transition offense, and then later on as we get into some of our motion concepts, none of this stuff is scripted. Um, you know, obviously we have certain concepts that we 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 ingrain in them, and then obviously based off an opponent's tendencies or some type of scouting deal, we might attack uh, certain things more so than others. But a lot of – most of the stuff we do offensively is random. Um, they, our, our guys do a good job of reading stuff and, you know, just playing out of it. Um, so Coach Mack is great at empowering these dudes to, to play off their instincts and uh, just go out there and be playmakers. All right, so um, just, just a basic, you know, ball screen throwback and, uh, you know, play out of that. We, we love uh, – I'm sorry, I'm keep pausing this stuff, but – you know, a big, a big thing that we try to get the defense into, like we talked about earlier, was, is, is early scrambles and then long closeouts. All right, we, we feel if we can play off, off them scrambling and getting in long closeouts, and then we'll get, we'll get what we're looking for. We'll get the quality shots that we need. All right, so it's just another one. Our four-man now is the rim runner. All right, so one of the things we like to do, we get them out. All right, so you get to the rim, you turn, you look, you seal, and if you don't have anything, we want to clear that paint. All right, we try to keep that paint open as much as we can. So now we're playing through our big. We did a little hit and chase action to a roll replace. All of this stuff is really simple concepts, all right? So now, again, you see the point guard crossing the midline, getting attacking the elbow. Now he's going to play through the trailer, all right? Hit him. Now he reverses, two-man game. Now you can see that, too. I'll rewind this a little bit. You see, you see our four-man come out and just run almost a double drag, even double though they both kind of ghost out. So... <laughs> These guys are really sharp. Um, they really read the defense and, and put them in some, some really difficult situations. All right, so that, that's just playing through our trail man to an empty side of the floor. All right, so now we'll do we'll, – we'll show some clips with, with, with some defense in practice. All right, so here we go, rim runner. Early seal, you see that? I mean, you know, we, we have rules. As a rim runner, if the guy is if – you're, if you're lower than the guy, you're going to try to get an early seal, push him up the lane. Uh, such as in this clip, we'll try to get something over the top. So you always encourage that the the point guard or whoever gets that rebound to cross the foot to cross yeah. the side yeah, of the we floor. We always want to we always want to try to get the defense to shift while they're not set. Try to cause a little bit more confusion, um, and then we feel like we'll we'll be in position to take advantage of some stuff with the pass or the dribble. The pass or the dribble. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it. right here. We got some pitch ahead stuff. So mm -hmm. now instead of the full push. We'll get some pitcher heads. We love pitcher heads across the floor as well. Right. I like to get them shifted. So here we go. It's pushing. It's the head. We got a rim runner to a quick post up. Pretty, pretty elementary stuff, right? Another pitcher head across the floor. 
wide open shot. Yeah. Right, just, yep. just another way to kind of keep these guys <clears throat> off balance and, and keep them scrambling um, while we're in attack mode. All right. So now we got both wings running down the same side of the floor, which we call unbalanced. Want to go through, and you see him going through kind of puts this other guy in a limbo. It's a two-on-one situation. He doesn't know whether to chase the guy through or, or to uh, Take you know, guard the, 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 the top wing, the, the, uh, the second wing down the floor, which leads to an open shot. All right? and, and you notice, I noticed these are some practice films, and you'll see it as we get into some of the game clips, but you can see our guys, there's really no hesitation. Um, you know, if you open, you know, we got this, we got, a, we got a deal. I don't know if you can see this or if you can read it. I think it says, let it fly. And okay. uh, we, we really, really live by that. Um, okay. yeah, honest, I played when I was in college. Real quick, Coach. Uh, so now if you got two guys on the same side, mm-hmm. whose command is it, I guess, to trigger the guy that's ahead to go through? Does he just go through on his own, or is it the guy that's behind him? Yeah, normally it's the guys behind him. It's, that sec- it's the second runner um, down that lane who will tell him to go through. Um, but – you know, again, like I said, he he can stop in the corner. Uh, the second wing can stop on the wing, and we can play out of that um, with with an empty side. You know, we get to the other side, it'll be some type of two man game empty. Uh, so we don't have a hard rule. It's not like if you guys are running down the same lane, one of you guys have to go through. You know, we kind of leave it up to them um, in terms of their communication, and uh, we we have that level of trust in those guys. All right, so now we'll go. You know, off the push, now we'll initiate with a dribble handoff, a guard-to-guard dribble handoff, and, and play out of that. All right, so he's crossing the midline again. Handoff pitch, now we play through our trailer. Now you see another pretty much double drag type of situation. Again, long closeouts, attack, extra pass, and, um, you know, try to make a play. You see it says color. Let me rewind this a little bit. I don't want to get go ahead, get too far ahead. Color. Color is our call for um, just a wide pin down with the trailer. All right, so yeah. we're going to go dribble handoff. You see our trail man going to pin down for our other wing on the opposite side. Quick shot. All right, balls changing into the second side as quick as we can. Now, this is just basic drags. All right, now cross the midline. Trail comes down. Drag. You know, you love to do all of this on the move. All right, so these are doubles. And we love that right there. Let me just rewind it, just to let you know that's a big part of what we do. We call these flip-ups. Uh, that's why another reason we love to keep the floor spaced. Um, if, if you notice, uh, a lot of times in these clips, the middle of the floor is wide open. It's a lot of five-out uh, type of situations. And, uh, you know, a lot of times guys want to stay home with our shooters. So our big guys, we, we, we teach screening and sprint, not the traditional opening up and rolling. Uh, screen, sprint to the front of the rim, get behind, um, your man, and we, we throw that thing right up to the rim. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of success with that, just out of drags, double drags, whatever the case may be. Another double. We, we love our, our, our four men to ghost out of it. You see 24, he came up, Mitch. We, we pretty much play four guards, but, you know, here he is. Rarely do our four men set him. They ghost right out of it, try to put um, the defense in some peril and make, them, uh, make some decisions, all right? So here's some of the same stuff just in game form, all right? So it's just a rim runner, all right? See, the ball's on its way to crossing the midline. Uh, they, they weren't about getting out to those shooters. So, you know, we, again, floor space, middle of the floor is wide open. Um, you know, just a lot of space to make plays, all right? Here we go with the rim runner again. 
So an extra pass. And again, this is all read and react. This is just not, this is not scripted. This is our three man on the push now, hitting the rim runner. We just love to put pressure on guys. All right, crossing the midline to a pitch ahead, let it go. A lot of this, you can tell a lot of this stuff is not even eight seconds. We're talking five to six seconds. All right, let's rewind that. Um, just mm. talking about unbalanced. All right, so yeah. now it's the unbalanced where, you know, they stay on the same side. He drives it, kicks it. Now, I'll tell you this. This kid, Mitchell Ballack, the lefty that just made this shot right here, um, one of the best shooters I've ever been around. All right? And he can make shots from 35 feet. You can see he's fading to his strong hand into, in this shot right here. He makes those all the time, and I like to think that, you know, we're good coaches. But, you know, a lot of times it's, it's that type of stuff that makes us look like good coaches. Um, Let me ask we've got you. the five-man rim running. Coach, let me ask you this. Number real one more. All right, we big one more team. Big one more team. D. Rance, let me ask you one question. Pitch ahead, crossing the grain. One more. All right? And you can see that these, these last few, as we rewind right quick, these, these are unbalanced. All right? So we got the, the ball coming down one side of the floor. We got both our other wings on the other side. Now you're just putting the defense in, in, in some, some real tough positions, real situations. And we, we'll, we'll take that shot 100 out of 100 times. And if you ever listen to our game, now look at this shot. I mean, I, mm. I, some people probably won't like this. Just look at the numbers mm. when, you, when we take this shot. I mean, that's, that's three on four, you know, if you want to be kind. Yeah. And it's semi-challenged, but, you know, we have guys who are capable. And, and, again, we empower guys to be themselves. You know, if he misses this shot, he won't have to look over – uh, to the bench and worry about, oh, man, it's somebody at the scorer's table for me. So, you know, when you can play like that now, we're not allowing guys to go crazy. You understand? You can't just throw anything up. You can't punt the ball into the fourth row three times in a row. But if, if this is a makeable shot for you and we see you make this shot on a daily basis on the practice floor, we are okay with this. And, I mean, this game right here, you can see um, it, it was um all-access game on Fox where both coaches were mic'd up. And, you know, if you played this, if you watch this game, you can hear Coach Mack all game. Go, go, go. I think that might have been the only thing he said that game. After makes, after misses, just go, go, go. And like I said, you see the cumulative effect on teams as, as you know, as the game wears on. And then, you know, we could have a patch where we might get three, four stops in a row and the offense is clicking. And then, you know, you go from up six to up 18 and, you know, you just kind of take the win out of their sails. And then on top of that, I'm, I hate to be long-winded, you know, we have one of the better home courts, man. We, we average about 17,000 a night. I, I want to say we've been like top five in the country the last few years. And, you know, if you want to get a, a, a fan base into games, I mean, I, I don't think we have – there's a better style of play than what we do. I mean, you can rack up points quick. You shoot deep threes. You throw lobs. And, I mean, it brings the energy up in the building really quick and uh, could be demoralizing uh, for some opponents. All right, so here's our four-man push. All right, so just to go backwards a little bit, you know, we don't have any hard rules. The, the, the point guard's going to get an outlet after a make. Any, any, uh, any missed situation, anybody besides the five-man can bring it. All right, so if the four gets it, he's on a push. Right now we have our four-man on a push. All the rest of the guards are running, and we got our five-man as the rim runner. Now it's a four, four to five over the top uh, rim runner. All right? So now we cross the midline again. We swing it. And it's just a good player, smart, understanding the read. Popping back off of that, all right? Here we go again. 
in this in this scenario, our wings didn't do a great job, didn't really get to the corners. All right, but it, at the at the at the end of the day, uh, this this clip is really about just one of our hard rules. If somebody goes under a screen, it's an automatic flip into a rescreen. All right, so here you go with this handoff under, turn back right away. That's a two, but we'll take it. All right, and then the last thing is. The top guy on a pair side, when the ball is reversed, once that ball sees you, it activates you, and you immediately cut. We call that a sun's cut, all right? So the top guy on a pair side is not an eligible receiver on ball reversal, just for movement's sake, just for continuity's sake. So you'll see the ball reverse, get a cut there, then refuse it, and score the ball at the rim. So, that, right? so, so, so the, the guy doesn't have the option to pass That was just a little guy. bit in terms of what we do in transition. Um, like I said, going back to some of our rules, I think a lot of this stuff is pretty elementary to a degree uh, in terms of just getting your wings and running the corner, rim runner, trail man. Some people believe in point guards or your ball handlers crossing the midline. Some people don't. Um, but I think universally, like I said, this is pretty uh, basic in terms of transition offense. But I think the strength in it for us is make or miss, we're extremely committed to it. We have the personnel to pull it off. And, uh, you know, we empower our guys to go out there and play and make plays without having to look over their shoulders. So, you know, that, that's pretty much our transition attack in a nutshell. Um, before I move on to the motion, I don't want to make it all, you know, one long conversation. You know, I would like to, you know, break it up a little bit. You know, y'all want to talk about any of these elements uh, based off our transition game, things that you do, things that you've seen. Um, and just have any type of dialogue before we move forward with, with, with the next concept. Okay, Marlon, you have some? Yeah, now I, I would say this. So, you know, there are some teams uh, in our league and the MAC that play that way. And, um, you know, I, I guess as an opponent, it's got to be hard to <clears throat> because, you know, you're often taught that, hey, uh, if you can test with a high hand, you just want to give yourself a chance, right? Mm -hmm. But now, what as a bad shot is probably a normal shot to you guys. Absolutely. Transition. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, that, that's a good point, man. I've seen, you know, you watch games and you start watching different reactions and different body language from guys. And you, I see it all the time. A guy will have his hand up and the thing will go in and he'll turn to his coach right away like, Coach, I have – have my hand up, you know, what do you want me to do? And, you know, you make a couple of those. You know how it is as a player and a coach, man. You, you, a few of those go in, it, it, it could really be uh, demoralizing to, to the morale of a team. And then, um, again, you know, we, you make enough of those. Now, you know, we, we got it set up to play out of closeouts, long closeouts, get, get guys flying around, gambling, uncertain. And, um, you know, that's kind of when we were at our best offensively when our transition game is clicking. For sure, for sure. Um. Yeah, so, you know, if, 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 if that's cool, man, we can move on to some of our motion offense stuff and, you know, some of, the, some of our concepts in that regard. Let's do it. Keep all right, on. so we've we got a slide just explaining some things. All right, just some of our rules. Obviously, the spacing, you like to, we like to be high and wide, um, you know, a little bit off that alley, off those lane lines. Um, you see that red right in the middle of the floor. You know, if it's not the five-man flashing up there and reversing the ball, we do not want that in the middle of the floor occupied. Uh, you got to get off the top. Um, don't pass and stand. Um, but you want you want to move uh, with a purpose. Uh, you just don't want to cut into the action or, you know, ruin some stuff just by movement. So 
We want we don't want to pass and stand, but we want to we want to move with a purpose. All right. And then like I talked about with what we call the sun's cut with that that top guard, the top guard on the pair side. When the ball sees you as it's being reversed and that five man starts to look your way, that's when you're activated and uh, you're not an eligible receiver. We want to get you through there to get the defense moving so we can get into our next uh, two man game. All right. So it'll be the same thing. Well, um, we'll pretty much go right into game clips here um, and just talk about some of the concepts. So, you know, some of some of it is just pretty quick and pretty simple. Some of the clips might not even go to a shot, but just kind of explaining um, what it is that we do. So the first one is the inside cut. Inside cut for us is pretty much what a lot of people call a corner cut, right? So the ball's passed from the top to the wing. And he makes the corner cut, then we play. Hit, it's just cutting to the corner, whether that's a, away or the same side. All right, now an outside cut. I don't want to go too fast through it. Now an outside cut is hit, pass, and screen away. All right, pass, and exchange, or pass, and screen away. So that's what we call the outside cut. So those are our two types of cuts, inside, outside, just to give you a concept of that. Then the sun's cut, just like I talked about before. You see we got a pair side. It's really not set yet, but the ball gets to the top of the key. It activates uh, Marcus Zorogowski, number 11, who's the top guy on the pair side to make the Suns cut. Now, obviously, we'll look for that. If that's not there, now we have a two-man two game with the five-man and, and, and the remaining guard on that same side. Give another look at the Suns cut. That's off of, that's see, now this is getting into guys who know what's going on. I mean, we had a really experienced uh, core. So you see it's not – Perfect, right? It's actually three guys on the side, which we don't really like. It's not really ideal for us. But at the same time, that top guy knows whether it's two guys on the side, three guys on the side, that once that ball gets to the top of the key and he's activated, he, got, he has to get out of there. Again, get something cheap. A lot of times, man, just by doing things consistently, like that's a, that's a cut. We do want to score on that Suns cut, but a lot of times we don't. But if you do it consistently, you'll fall into some cheap points. And we've already saw a couple clips where we fall into a couple cheap points just by, you know, just by having a habit of making this cut. All right. Another one. It's a double. All right. So just, just don't want to speed through it. So it activates the first guy. He cuts. Second guy, again, smart guys, understand what we're trying to do. He's overplayed. So he makes the cut as well. All right. So, again, because it's not scripted, very hard to prepare for, um, very hard to say, oh, at this situation, this guy's going to cut. At this situation, they're going to go dribble handoff. Like I said, it's random. These guys read and react. So I think that that's an advantage for us in terms of teams uh, trying to prepare uh, for us. All right, so now Hauser, all right? This is named after the, the, the brothers who played at Marquette. I think one has transferred to Virginia now. Um, Joey Hauser, and I, I can't remember the other guy's name. They, they were – Playing together in pick and roll situations with Marcus Howard, they were a terror ghosting out of it. So pretty much a ghost screen. We just call them housers because those dudes were so good at it against us. Uh, so, so we'll take a look at just some housers and, um, you know, how, how they can be effective for us. See our four-man slip right out of it. He's got a quick release, one of the best shooters in the nation. Um, no hesitation. The double, you know, coming off that double, he houses out. Let's just go back just to see it. Again, like I said, we rarely do our four men set it. All right, five sets it, four houses out. Again, wide open. All right, 
speeding through this deal. Quick pin down, we, we call this a color. All right, we call it, we could say brown, green, that means trail man is going to uh, set a wide pin down for the opposite wing, all right? Boom, it helps when you got this kind of sniper with you, he knocks that in there. Second one, pin down, four man. It's not even a trail, this is our four man to a guard, curls it into the paint, gets them to play and close out basketball, all right? Dribble handoffs. I'm sorry if I keep rewinding this, guys. I just want, I want to get a good feel for it without speeding through it. All right, so we go reverse it through our big, pin down to a dribble handoff. Now you just got players, man. That's, I would love to say I'm a good coach, but that's just players making plays. Pin downs and dribble handoffs. And then, you know, just the fact that we space the floor, um, the fact that people respect our shooters um, to that degree, man, it just opens up the floor for, for playmakers to make plays. Um, you know, we, we have some outstanding decision makers, um, and, they, and they make it look easy sometimes. This, this is hard to do in terms of implementing and installing just because you have to be committed, man, and you, get, you can't waver, right? You can't really – the thing is you want to make the guys comfortable, right, and to be in a good element to make plays, but at the same time, you can't really allow them to be comfortable because a lot of times comfort means easy, right, in terms of learning and building up your system. So we place a premium on just being – holding these guys accountable to what we want them to do, all right, on, on a consistent basis. Um, let, me, let me go – ah, man, I, there's one more – there's actually one more uh, element of our offense I want to go over. I know I only talked about two, but um, just some of our pick-and-roll stuff uh, I think I think uh, be a little intriguing – which, again, like I said about our transition, pretty elementary, man, pretty simple. But, again, because of the way we play, because we, the way we space the floor and our personnel groupings, man, it makes it pretty difficult uh, to contain. So, you know, definitely want to jump to the, the, the pick and roll stuff next. Um, but is, it, is there any questions, anything I didn't explain clearly enough about some of these motion concepts uh, that you guys are a little bit more curious about? No, that was pretty – I don't think it's explanatory, man. Okay, okay. And again, like I said, man, I, I, you know, I don't think, you know, now when it comes to some of our sets and some of the stuff, you know, Coach Mack draws up, we got some pretty extravagant, pretty, you know, cool stuff um, that, that, that he, he develops in his mind. But, you know, like I said, this stuff, I think is really basic stuff, man. I, I, I pretty much think that you guys have seen a lot of this stuff in, in, in your experiences. Um, but again, it's just based off the personnel you have and uh, how effective they can be uh, in it. So, you know, with that being said, if we can move forward to the to the pick and roll reads, uh, you know, let me know if that's good. Yeah, now nah, let's do it. Can... Okay, okay, cool. Again, just to throw, um, just to give you a little bit of, uh, oh, that's not the one. Oh, yeah, it is the one. Just some of the, some of the stuff that we talk about with our players when it comes to you know pick and roll stuff, and and it's again very very elementary. All right, so for the guards, you want to get your defender to the level of the screen, be patient, wait on the screen, and then come off the screen as tight as you can. Right? I mean, I bet we all teach that. Um, for the bigs, we 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 hate setting our ball screens really quote unquote on the wing. We want to get them as close to the lane line, to the middle of the floor as possible. Uh, we just think that it's harder to ice that. Um, it's harder to uh, manipulate it's harder for the defense to manipulate us uh, if we're not on the sideline all right um, we want them to screen and like I said we, we teach screening and sprinting all right to gain separation 
All right, and then we want to clip the bottom third uh, of the of the uh, defender's body. All right, and then just right, like I said, straight to the front of the rim, uh, trying to get behind that big and uh, try to get that ball flipped up to you so we can get a high percentage finish at the rim. All right, so again, we'll go back um, to some practice clips and how we build up. Uh, you know, I'll be honest, just, you know, as a young coach, you know, I used to, we used to be on staff, we would do two-on-two ball screen stuff, and I would say, that's not really fair. You know what I mean? Like, it's the easiest thing to do. You can score every time. But the reason why we do two-on-two ball screen stuff is just, just get them programmed to do certain things. Like, we love to throw what we call flip-ups, lobs to the rim to our big. So, in two-on-two, you're not going to get a tag guy. You're not going to get any help. So it's just a way to program these guys and develop the habit of this is what we look for when we get start getting downhill off the ball screen is to throw that flip up to the rim. All right? All right, so the first, we'll go with some pocket passes. All right? You know those. Coming off, throw it right to the pocket. Again, this is just training these guys to look for what we want, to, want them to see. All right? And then just, just the ability to do it because we all say, hey, throw a pocket pass or throw a lob. But, you know, I know you guys understand, you know, sometimes you'll see a guy, a new guy, a talented guy, and you say, man, you can't make that pass. Like, then, then, you, then your, help, your, your coaching hat comes on and say, well, that's what I'm here for, to teach these guys how to maneuver and, 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 and develop these skills. So we don't take for granted that guys know how to throw pocket passes. We don't take for granted that guys know how to flip them up or throw back off of ball screens. You know, we, we work on those things. All right, so here's the flip-ups, all right? So you see them screen. Sprint to the rim, trying to get behind it, the, that, that big, that defensive big. All right? Store it up there and go make the play. A couple more action, couple more examples of it. All right? Moving on now, you know, we'll add a guy, right, just so um, now we have to make a read, right? Whether it's you can flip it up to the big or you can throw it back just based off, uh, you know, that, that guard who's the tag guy, all right? And, you know, one of the things that, that we talk about all the time with our guards especially is just the ability to manipulate the defense with your eyes, right? You know, a lot of times it just takes a quick, you know, peek. If you want to go left, you just peek right, and, you know, you open up that passing lane. So, you know, we really talk to these guys about understanding how to manipulate the help side defenders coming out of pick and roll. And it's not easy to do, man. You know, I think the first element, first and foremost, that guard who's using that ball screen, though in that four-man, that two-man game with those four guys in the, in, the, in the ball screen action, a good guard, as you guys know, you have to be able to not even really pay attention to that. You Like the coverage, whether it's a blitz, whether it's um, a flat hedge, whatever the defense is doing, you have to be able to get by that without even really thinking about that. Your focus should be on those other three guys and manipulating those guys to shift or move so, so you can make the play that you want to make. Um, you know, so it, it, it sounds simple, but um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty intricate to get a kid who's not as gifted in that way to start understanding that. All right, so here it is. We just, we just working on reading. Just working on reading. Just working on reading. Throwback to attack. Throwback. To attack, an attack. Attack the closeout. <laughs> Say that again? Yes, yeah, attacking that long closeout. Yep, yep, absolutely. Just reading that defender. He tags, throw it back, closeout, play out of it. All right, th th that's exactly right. All right, so now just some of the stuff, uh, some of the ways we attack in ice. All right, so 
This first one will obviously go four and four now to just try to make it a little bit more realistic. Uh, the first one is just we're gonna we're gonna pop our big back, throw it back to him, and then he's gonna go dribble handoff uh, to the weak side and play out of that. All right, so here it is. Got ice. Throw it back. Now at this point, now you see the sun's cut. Obviously, the top guy's activated. He's getting out of there to get us some get us some movement. Now you we'll see some clips. Um, after this, where obviously the big guy, he can go right back to the same side. Um, but obviously in this instance, we're going to reverse it to a dribble handoff. Where he's going to pop again, second ice. Now he's going back to a handoff and really play out of that. All right, just want to be active. Just don't want to be hand -cat. I think I think one of the things, I'm sorry to ramble and, and stop the video, but I think, you know, the teams that are really effective with, with the ice coverage, uh, they, they kind of just paralyze you, I think. You know, I think they kind of paralyze you into standing around and kind of accepting that they're icing, all right? So I think the, the best way, obviously, to beat it is try to get the ball to the second side and try to get to another quick ball screen where, you know, they can't uh, get into that alignment and, uh, you know, isolate your ball screen again. So you got the Suns cut again. Pop right back to them. Play out of it. Flip up. There we go. All right, again, pop, right? And then and I'll rule again, anytime they go under, whether it's a handoff or a ball screen, it flips right to a rescreen. All right, so he pops, goes to a handoff, under, rescreen it, roll to the rim, throw back. Now we just playing. All right, now some game action. Flip up, let me rewind that. Again, this is really works well for us because we got – Tyshawn Alexander, number five, in his ball side corner. First team all Big East guy, plus 40% three-point shooter. Not going to leave him. So our, our big has a free run, free run to the rim. And that's just personnel, just putting, putting a strain on those guys. All right, again, just they can't tag. You know, people want to take our threes away so bad that, you know, a lot of times you, you see the result, our five-man getting, um, you know, just – High percentage shots at the rim here. You know, dealing with a blitz, just a basic read to a throwback. All right, they blitz in the ball screen. You know, St. John's is very aggressive. Roll to the front of the rim, throw it back, scramble long closeouts, and we get to play. All right, now this is interesting because I don't like, I think one of the worst things you can do off a ball screen is pitch it ahead in front of yourself. I don't think that does anything to the defense, does, puts them in no strain. I think they stay matched up. But, you know, again, we had an all-conference point guard who has a great hesitation game, change of pace game. He reads his bottom defender and just makes a simple play. All right, keeps it, keeps it, puts him in a bad place. Pretty good challenge, but we knock it down, all right? And then the refusals, man. I think this is something that we, gotta, we have to get better at. Uh, as much as we play out of two-man game ball screens, I don't think we refuse screens enough. Uh, I think, you know, this will help take our offense uh, even to a, to a more efficient level. All right, so he refuses it, just downhill, collapses that defense. There it is. Same thing, he's got a double, refuses the double, right to the rim, all right? Now, again, man, you see, you know, I think, I think even within the randomness of some of the stuff we're doing, I think some of the common themes is the middle of the floor is always wide open. Um, you know, you, you rarely do you see us driving. Uh, rarely, um, first of all, rarely do you see a, a guy with his back to the basket sitting on the block occupying it. 
Uh, rarely do you see a guy just sitting in a short corner or the dunker spot, um, just standing around waiting. Uh, so we like to keep that thing spaced. Um, I think what it does, obviously, is creates easy driving lanes. And then, you know, we get so many uncontested layups at the rim just because uh, they just don't want to give up uh, those three-point shots that, you know, we, we can open up the game and, uh, you know, kind of change momentum. Um, so, you know, with that being said, man, you know, that's, kind of, that's some of the stuff that, that uh, you know, we pride ourselves on offensively. Um, again, I think it's really simple. Um, but I think just like anything else, uh, to be good at it, you just have to be committed to it. Absolutely. And you guys clearly are. And like you said, it's uh, um, it's, it's simple, but obviously effective. And just the uh, the amount of detail that you guys go into, obviously, from the practice floor, carrying over to the to the games. And it gives your guys also a lot of freedom Absolutely. to uh, to to make plays and to um read and react to what the defense is doing. So, and again, it makes it also hard to scout, like you said, just because it's not, you know, it's not scripted, which right. is, uh, but, you know. And, and I'll interject, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was, I was talking to Marlon before we, we, we started recording. And, um, you know, we were talking about our teams and where we were, where we are at this point. We have six of our top uh, seven guys back uh, in terms of scoring the ball. And even though those guys were have been in this system and, you know, played at a high level and, and make it look like it's looked on some of these clips, we're not there now. You know what I mean? I mean, it's been six, seven months, and, like, you, you know, you got to get back to it. And even guys who've, who've done it at a high level and very familiar with it, you know, we got we to gotta screw the training wheels back on and get this thing back going again. So I think that just speaks to being committed to it and, um, you know, just, just not uh, getting bored with the details and, um, you know, uh, a group of guys who, who are bought in uh, to what we're trying to do. Should I stop sharing this, or what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can just. Okay, cool. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, so, man, I, you know, I hope that was informative to a degree. I, you Absolutely. know, I hope it was clear. Um, you know, Absolutely. like I said, if anything, you know, pops up in your mind as we move forward that, you know, you want to ask about, you know, I'd be happy to try to answer those, man. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I wanted to come on here and talk about our offense. To be honest, I got a lot of people hitting me all summer and during the pandemic wanting me to, you know, talk about some of the things we do um, offensively. This is actually the first time I'm doing it. Uh, okay. you know, I hadn't, right. hadn't gotten around to doing it with everybody just because the Zoom deal has been so crazy. Um, and to be honest, I don't want to share with everybody. You know, now <laughs> they, catch up, they catch up with it on here. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, but everything's not for everybody, man. So, you know, that's, I respect you guys to that degree. No, I appreciate that. appreciate you blessing us. Appreciate you, uh, you know, giving us the exclusive. How you like that, Coach Bill? Got the exclusive. Sharing, man. Sharing is caring, right? (laughs) There you go. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Bleachers and Boards with Matt Collier and Marlon Guild. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and our team-focused NBA pods, Cavaliers Central, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, and Hashtag Lakers. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. I'm gonna hit you with this one. I feel like a clue mixtape. Okay. <laughs> oh, now we talking. Now we talking. Clue mixtapes, huh? No. That was so 
I don't want to get off basketball so fast, but I'm trying to think. Clue mixtapes for you. Wait, okay. Let me let me just try to do the math. He's from Queens. Be. He's from Queens, by the way. But go on, okay, keep man, going. Yeah, yeah. Already know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got to be thirty-five, thirty-seven, thirty-seven. Okay, so yeah. Okay, so clue tapes. Yeah, yeah. You, you was young. You was just getting right. Yeah, clue tapes. I, I makes sense. The math is right. The math adds up. No, I, I used to go. Queens for Clue mixtapes. Of course you did, but keep going. Jamaica Avenue, keep going. Oh, no, see Coliseum. <laughs> Block, yes, sir, let's go. Actually, <laughs> you know what? My aunt used to live on Steinway Ave. Oh, okay, so you was on the other side. Okay, Astoria, okay. Right, so that's when mixtapes used to be $5, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, it went to CDs, but then on the CDs, you couldn't really get some of the songs that was on the actual set, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then when Clue got to uh, Hot 97 and used to do a Monday night mixtape, oh, yo, I, I was locked in. Matter of fact, maybe about a year ago, it, it was a dude, uh, shout the mixtape classics on IG, but mm -hmm. um, I bought, like, he had Clue's entire library oh, really mm. on a flash drive for like eighty dollars and somehow oh. yeah i'm not gonna lie I, I had to give up the 80 man no that's that's that's, that's worth eight that's worth eighty dollars to me that's history right there you did up the clue i mean from the nori and fab jump off that night to yeah. the locks jumping off on clue tapes to yeah. oh man yeah. the whole thing man Jada Beanie Battle, all lots, lots of exclusives on uh, on oh, those clue man. tapes. Oh, I got, I wish I would have known. I got, I, you know, I got all my CD. I got, I got CD. I got all of that stuff, man. The, the Green Lanterns, the Clues, mm -hmm. Doo Wops. I got all types of CDs, man. So, um, now nah, it's good, man. You know, I think obviously basketball and hip hop is just interconnected. That's just mm -hmm. part of part of the culture of both, um, and you know. It's crazy to see where hip hop, well, rap. I'm gonna just say rap because I think it's a difference. Mm -hmm. um, this is true. To see, to see where rap is today is crazy because I'm 47. I got a brother who's five years older than me. So I literally seen this thing from the, from the jump, like from the jams in the park to when one hour on Friday night, you had to have your tape ready to get your music for the week. To then it coming, you know, to, to, the, to the jams in the park being taped and then to it, evolving to where you can go purchase music um just seeing it all the way through and to see where it is now it's mind-blowing that that you know that that culture our culture has made had, had the effect that it's had and you know, uh, you know what's crazy though I, I often think of this right and how you know, I, I get everything today is done through technology but think about how important it was whether you lived on a block or if you lived in a project. It was always that one dude that had the turntables and the speakers. Yep, on the court. And, and he would bring, whether it was the block party or the party for the neighborhood, you knew when he brought his speakers out on. and he hooked it up from his uh, apartment window, oh, you was gonna have a, a, a good time and yep. you was gonna hear records that you hadn't, that you wasn't gonna hear on the radio. Right. And, you know, I think hip-hop slash rap is missing that element. You know? yeah, the organic part of it, right? Yeah. Just like yeah. everything is microwave now, like a hit. We got a hit. Like, yeah, just it, it's not as, you know, 
and I don't want to overgeneralize, but you know, it, it's for the check now. You know what I'm saying? Like that's 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 the realest part of it. It's like, you know, there there were times, and there's still guys, you know, that that make it from the heart and that, that want want to show their art. And, you know, kind of like we was talking about how we approach basketball, right? We loved it. And there's residual things that come from, you know, what we invested into it. Um, you know, there's still some of that going on, but I think a lot of guys are going straight for the investment, um, the, the monetary investment uh, while skipping over some of those other. And you can hear it. You can turn the radio on. Turn the radio on. You'll hear, you'll hear all of it. I, I go with this. Like, I posted this on Twitter maybe about two, three weeks ago. I still want to know, when did songs or when, when did records, because I'm, you know, I'm from that and I call them records. When did records just become two verses? I'm used to three verses. Yeah, that's just a rush. That's just trying to get you to consume more and more of, of that. Yeah. I, I, need, I need my last 16. Mm -hmm. I'm only getting 32. I need my last. <laughs> quantity over quality. Quantity over quality. Yeah, they run out. It might not be a quality 32. It might not be a quality 16 left. Yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and you know what? That, that kind of leads back, you know, we take it back to, to the basketball thing just from, you know, the guys that were nice, right, that we deemed nice in music. But now, you know, we got T. Wrench on here, a guy that, you know, has had a lot of success at the collegiate level, played at the highest professional level. Um, so we're going to talk about Hall of Famers, man. Because I, I think that gets thrown out too much, kind of like in, in rap, right? Same thing. Guys that think they're nice. So, you know, T. Rich, I'm going to throw it to you, man. Two guys that, if you're cool with it, two guys that you think should be in the Hall of Fame that aren't in, and two guys that have no business being in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's where we go. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> you like to get a little crazy on here. Yeah, man. yeah. You know, yeah, again, who's in? Uh, see, I would have to see, like, I wish I who's in there. Let me, let me think. I, I give you some guys that I know that don't need to be in. All right, give so, me two. So, we're going guys that have been in that shouldn't be in, or are we going with guys who are like coming up on their eligibility? That's what I was thinking. Oh, but we could do that. I like, I like what you're doing, Mo. We, we could do yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, let's do both. We got time. So, what, what you so who give me two that that aren't in, that are in there who shouldn't be, in your opinion? And I'll and I'll and on. Man, and I hate that I'm, that I'm throwing this out there. Like, I don't think Mitch Richmond deserves to be in. Mm. 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 Now, now and, and I'm going to contradict myself, but, and, and everybody, and the listeners will hear why, because, you know, I got the New York City bias. I admit it. It's okay. But I, I often thought that the Hall of Fame was based off winning. Now, Mitch won in Golden State, but they were always in that four, five, six range. Yeah, they won to a degree. Right, right, right. Yeah. So after that, a lot of his stuff came from Sacramento when nobody really wanted to go to Sacramento. And they weren't, they had the, the one, one good year before Jason Williams and yeah. C.M. and those guys got there, right? So they had the one good year. I think they were at 8C when they had like Michael Stewart. And 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 those guys, but that that's just me. I I, I question Mitch Richmond. That's valid. I think you know two things. The first thing is, I guess you know, and this is not taking a shot at Mitch Richmond. This is just 
Hey, Somebody's got to score all the points. I was never going to St. John's, by the way, that I just said that. <laughs> yeah, because I know somehow if Mitch Richmond hears this, Chris Mullins going to hear it, and my son's never getting a scholarship to St. John's. <laughs> now, somebody's got to be the, be the the best player on a bad team, number one. But I think I kind of hear you saying that to a degree. But on the flip side, I do remember – Mitch Richmond for a window. I'm not going to say it was a long time, but he had a window where, to me, he was the best two-guard in the West. Like, I, I thought he was better mm-hmm. than uh, Drexler. I thought he was, you know, I, I thought he was better than, um, you know, obviously, Hersey Hawkins is and the, and the Hornets. I thought he was better than all those guys. Um, so I thought he was the best guard in the West for about a two-year period in terms of win- uh, two guards. But I'm going to disagree. I'm putting Mitch Richmond in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Okay. Mitch Richmond in the Hall of Fame. I think um, my Twitter's gonna blow up on this too. When <laughs> people are gonna kill me, but it's just my opinion. My but you know opinion. what though, and I get it because there's gonna be some guys we talk about here in a little bit who I'm not for, and they're gonna be like, "Well, Mitch Richmond's in there. Why can't this guy be in there?" But I think he had a certain impact. Um, you know, obviously the winner's not there. And I, I'll be honest, Mark, Mark, I don't think it's about winning. Obviously, it's not about winning. Um, I think, to be honest with you, the Hall of Fame these days is starting to trend towards the Hall of Very, Very Good. Uh, you know, I don't. Mm. I thought when I was growing up, man, the Hall of Fame was for those dudes where it's like, that dude is like different. You know what I'm saying? Now I think it's getting to a point where, you know, if you have, if you're an all-star a couple of times, I think you they're going to start throwing your name around in that discussion. Um, and I, I, I just think it's getting a little watered down, to be honest with you. Um, I, th- I think basketball is the easiest Hall of Fame to get into. I, for some reason, it just seems like we're much more accepting of very, very good players as opposed to like the elite of the elite. Because mm. uh, Hall of Fame to me is just like untouchable. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you're supposed to be untouchable. Like dude's supposed to know when they step on the court with you, I'm gonna give it my all, but it's gonna be a rough night. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I just think it's watered down now. Mm. Rarified air. Yeah, it's supposed to be absolutely. So absolutely. But I said, wait. Let me let's I'm sorry. Let's skip to one of my guys who I don't current guy who I don't think is a Hall of Famer. Now, Twitter people are gonna think I don't know basketball when I say this, especially based off me saying Mitch Richmond should be in a Hall of Fame. And I think some of it might be a little personal to I I'm not a big fan of his approach, but is Dwight Howard a Hall of Famer? Oh man. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's... I just had, man, I, I'm going to say my piece, and then I'll let you go. I just had this conversation. It's... it's uh, <laughs> I got him in there. Probably is, though. I ain't going okay. to... Yeah, that's a, that, that's, that was what I was going to say. I don't... Me, personally, I don't look at Dwight Howard as a Hall of Famer, but based on who else has gotten in... And some of the things that he has achieved, I would say that he probably will get in. I would, you, you know, I, that's what I would say. His first six, seven years was that good, though. He was. Right. He was. Right. I, I'll be honest with you, but I, I think, see, for me, I think a dude like that, and I, and I don't want to like tilt the playing field for different dudes, which should be even across the board. But a dude like that, to me, like. Had spurts of dominance, mm-hmm. but I don't think he his career lived up to what 
his career is going to be looked at in hindsight, if that right. makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I, like I said, I, I preface it by saying I just I really now he's changed. He's older now. He's more mature. He knows what it's about. He's trying to get his ring and everything. But I was really turned off by his approach to the game as he was in his prime years. I didn't think he was that serious. I, I didn't think he really wanted to win to that degree. I'll give you an example. Didn't this would turn me off. The year they played the Lakers in the finals. Before game one, they go to the center circle with the captains. And, you know, you already know Bean is – he ready to kill something. And, you know, obviously you can hear they got the mics out there. And Dwight Howard comes into the – like, hey, Mr. Bryant, how you doing, buddy? Like, with the – like, we in preseason and Kobe just stared at him like, man, you're a clown. I'm about to get this ring off you. I know that for sure now. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of stuff that kind of bothered me about him. And then, I, and, I, and then, to be honest, I think he's one of the last back to the two quote-unquote centers, right? I mean, if you look around, he's probably one of the last kind of traditional bigs really just hanging around the league for the most part. And when I compare him to the traditional centers, the Ewings, the Shaqs, the Olajuwans, the David Robinsons, yeah. all the way to the, you know, Chamberlains and Mikeins and – Russell's, I mean, I, he's not better than any of those guys to me. And that's why I'm, I already listed like 12 guys. So, ah, oh man, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. That, that's what makes it tough. That's what makes it tough because when you put him up against those guys, right, like it's like, nah. But that, <laughs> he's not that. But right? his credentials, but, I see his credentials. Right. If you just right. look at his numbers, I mean, it's hard to deny. It's hard to deny. If, if you take personal. If you take out – yeah, yeah. If if you take out the antics, does that change your perspective a little bit? Well, it might. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what I'm saying. It's personal. That's why I know I'm a little off base with this one. But I had to get this. I had to put this out there. I just, <laughs> I, I just wasn't a fan of his approach to the game with his physical stature and his physical abilities. If he had what he if. if what he has now, you watch him out there, he's empowered, he's running with LeBron, he's a tough guy now, he's playing kind of dirty and all that. If you had, if that was you, oh man, we'd be talking, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, so I'm just, to be honest, I'm probably more disappointed okay. in, you know, what he didn't achieve more so in terms of what I believed he could have achieved. Um, so that's probably clouding my, my Hall of Fame vote for him. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, who, who uh, with her? Oof, I got a couple bouncing around. I had a couple bouncing around. The one guy, though, that I always – it always comes up to me is like – well, I'm going to say two guys real quick. I'm going to go both, you know, go both ways because I actually would put them on either side. Chauncey Billups, like, good player, had his run, you know, but when I watched him play – I just never said like, yeah, man, like that dude right there. You know what I mean? Like I, I just he was good, you know. And it goes back to what you said about you know the the Hall of Very Good, right? Like he's good, a good player, obviously won a championship. But if you can put him in the comparison against the other point guards that are in the in the Hall of Fame, but you know, not no slight to him, but if you put you know put him up against say like a Maurice Cheeks who got in. Then can you say, okay, well, if Maurice Cheeks is in, then does Chauncey Billups get in? But 
you know, Chauncey Billups, I just always just like, yeah, he had a good career and won a championship, unseated the Lakers, all of that. But I don't even know if he was the best player on that team. You know, like that, like it's so it's just like ugh, with him. So I say that. Right. And then my flip side of that is somebody that I would probably and people might think I'm crazy, who I would consider more as someone who at least could argue his way in to me would be Robert Ory. Right. No, no. Now hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Yeah, he got, he got jury. He got jury. Right. 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 Now. And but it's not just about the actual rings that he got i mean he was you know what i mean like he was a a a major like he won games you get what i'm saying like it wasn't now from a number standpoint and was he one of the best you know he started off at houston as a three-man and he played the four but you know is he one of the best to ever play in his position no but as far as his actual contribution to winning i mean he if 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 like guys are saying you said earlier marlon it should be about winning right how many wins did he actually produce? They should open in up big, a in big, in, in they big, open in, up another wing for dudes. Right, right, right. In, in big moments. In, in big moments, right? So that's why I'm not saying that he deserves to be in, but I would, if, if put it this way, if I had to choose, if it was me personally, if I had to choose, you get one vote, I would vote for Robert Ory before I voted for Chauncey Billups. Wow. That's interesting. That's interesting. Chauncey I mean, Billups might not even have been the best player on his team that won the championship. I don't know. I still, to this day, cannot decide who's, who's the best player on that Pistons team. On the surface, on the surface, there's no way Robert Ory's a Hall of Famer, right? I mean, right, right. But now, if you break it down with those criteria, I can see them giving him the other, putting him in the other wing over there. Somewhere. Right, right. You know what I'm not in the main right. part of it, but right. Now, I'm glad you brought up. I'm sorry, Mo. You want to comment on that? No, I'm just in amazement that. Robert Corey was a part of this discussion, but but really think, but really think about it though. Not the numbers, not the all-star appearances, not all, but just think about how many times he did that in big time and big moments. Yeah, but he was around to win champion. Yeah, no, of course, great players. Each time that he wanted to, it was, it was. He had two studs that you would say were. Top five at their positions every time he wanted. But how many times did he help cement those guys' legacies? Oh, listen, so we're going to put John Paxson in the Hall of Fame too? He only did it once. Yeah, no, nah, but he, it don't even matter. He, he only did it once. How many times did Robert Ory do it? It wasn't once. I can't let him in. I'm sorry. I can't let him in. I, 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 I feel you. I'm just no. saying. Listen, like I no, said, that's, good. that's a good point, though. It's a good conversation. I got, I got one. I'm glad you brought that Pistons team up because I was having this argument again. I don't believe he's a he's a Hall of Famer, but I got argued down for this. Ben Wallace, I'm going to have to agree. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, people say you know he was defensive player of the year, you know, but you, you that's not like come on. The, I know I get it, but no. But you, somebody, let's, I can't let's, remember let's, somebody arguing me to death about him the other day. Well, let's go down the line. Is Rasheed Wallace? <sighs> if she don't get in, Ben Wallace can't get in. Okay. Is Rip Hamilton? Now, see, that's when we get into This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. This is what we get into very well-respected. You know what I mean? Like, right. Deal, but, man, is Kevin Johnson get it? Is Kevin Johnson in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. KJ? I don't think so. Because to, no, I take this personally, though, because I feel like – I was a Charles Barkley fan. And so the time when they needed KJ to be 
KJ in the finals, he wasn't there. It came up. I was small. on. I was on that team. I got traded to that team that year from. Miami. Is that right? And I was there. They They were old. It was over. That was mm-hmm. the last year. I was there mm-hmm. the last half of that last year, and just man, I, I always was a big fan of KJ. He's even playing against him yeah. up in Miami. Like I, he he. Mm. I think he's in. I think he should be in. I think mm. he's in. Okay. Now okay. I feel you though. The moment now, now, but see, now you're taking the argument back to Marlon. Like, does winning really matter? Like, I don't know. Does really does winning really matter in the Hall of Fame? Because if it did, because to be honest, if it did, it would be a lot smaller Hall of Fame. Because if you look at the history of winners, in the oh, league, yeah. it's not that many teams. That yeah, have right, right, absolutely. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard to do. History and it's it's it's, really, it's not in your control as much as you know. Just circumstances, right? Yeah, and the, the the worst flaw of the whole deal is this media people voting. Like to me, that's the worst part of it. It's like, wait a minute. Now dudes can be put in or left out based off their relationship, how they interviewed, did they mm-hmm. want to do the interviews? It was just some stories about them that weren't favorable during their career. So I think that's number one where where it, 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 there's a disconnect. I think there's got to be a committee of ex players or guys who are a committee of Hall of Fame members. Maybe you take a, a, a writer or two who are very well-respected, unbiased guys, whatever process you need to go through with that. But I think the system is flawed in terms of the voting process because it's all media-driven. Right. Man. You know? Right. Well, if, if that's the case, then it's going to be unfortunate. Then my man, Steph ain't never getting in the Hall of Fame. No. They, they'll never let him in there. And that is the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. I know it sounds crazy. They're going to think it's a New York bias. But if you're talking about basketball, what he did in high school, what he did in the NBA now that he didn't have – he wasn't yeah. no bum in the league. Right. He was an all-star. The reinvention, what he's done over there in China. China. Like, you crazy? Like, in terms of the global impact he's had in ter- on the game of basketball, that's Hall of Fame worthy. That's, that's, that's the Hall of Fame. He might be able to get in. No, nah, but you, he should just off the stats to average 20 points, eight assists, five rebounds. I think the number is five or six years straight. It's only him and Oscar Robinson that's ever been able to do that. And And – what he's going to get killed for, in my opinion, it, what triggered everything was leaving Minnesota. And that's probably the only thing I've ever really faulted him for because that was the snowball effect to everything. I, dis- I disagree. His, 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 I, say, I think it was firing Larry Brown. No, but that's what I'm saying. If he never leaves Minnesota. Oh, okay, I, I got you. He never, he never gets to that. Right, yeah, I got you. And then you got him and KG, and you never right. know what happens with that. Right. Yeah, now, now, I will say this, though, Marlon, just to throw it, throw your deal back at you, and I love him. It's my guy. Not a lot of winning got, went with that deal. Not a lot of winning came with those numbers. You know what I'm saying? If we want to keep it 100. Right. And, and um, that's why I, I said, you know, I'm contradicting myself on the whole Vince Richmond thing, but I also think, and, and like I said, I, it's my guy. You know, for me growing up in Brooklyn, Steph was like, God, that move from Minnesota, I, I think, I think they would have won at least two championships. They, 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 uh-huh. they, they were on their on their way um, because at, Mike was still playing back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come, on, come on, come on, come on, come on, man! <laughs> they would have to wait. <laughs> wait. If, if you look at all right, when Minnesota was dominant, what was that? Oh three, oh four. When I think they was finally number one in the West, and you know. Like, KG had got tired of, you know, getting knocked out in that first round. He played at a high level. Yeah, when he finally broke through and got to the conference finals that year, it was Sam Cassell and Spreewell. Yeah. That could have been something. But, you know, like I said, that's just my bias. Um, 
you know, because I, I saw that, that dude on a daily basis. Um, you know, and, and I get it, you know, like T. Rice, like you said, just the, the media side to it probably won't let him in. It's not right, but yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting because I feel like there's a lot of guys in the NBA now that are on that, you know, maybe yeah. the, very, the very good list. And it's crazy, man. Some of the names you hear, like I've heard, and I mean, and I think part of, like, I get a, I get a, I get a little irritated, get a little annoyed just because we go so historical so fast these days. It's like we don't even let a guy's first seven years play out before we say, oh, he's the greatest yeah, scorer. Yeah. He's the greatest this we've ever seen. He's the greatest that. But I was just, somebody was talking about Sean Marion the other day. I said, come on. Yeah, man. I saw that. I saw that too. I saw Relax that too. a little bit. I, I just don't. Really? Hall of Fame? Right. Like, come on. Like, no disrespect. He had a great career. <laughs> yeah. But that, when I look at that, I don't see, like, yeah. transcendent, game changer, next level guy. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. At the end of this thing, that if you make the league, you, if you get a contract, you might just automatically qualify. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. All right, all right. Let me skip around. I'm sorry. I might be throwing y'all off. Uh, off, off off topic, but I got to – Matt, you from Queens? Yes, sir. Okay. This is great right here. <laughs> Hove or Nas? Oh, come on. Nas. Easy. Easy. Nas. And I'm Easy. a Bronx dude. I'm a Bronx dude, so I can be the ice I can be the tiebreaker mm-hmm. if, if it goes a certain way. Yeah, no. Nah. Nah, absolutely. It's Nas. Easy. Hey, th- hey, T-Rex, just so you know, that was the premise for the show. Mm-hmm. That is how we got. Oh, is that right? Me and my wife, uh, me and mom was arguing a bunch of other guys, and my wife walked past, and she was just like, yo, y'all should do a show. <laughs> that's how it all got started. Okay. I hit Marlon up. I was like, yo, what do you think? He was just like, let's do it. That's exact. That's exactly how it got started. Yeah, and you know what? He's from Queens, but he really knows the answer. He knows the real answer. Yeah, I did. That's the one I said. Yeah, I do know the right answer. <laughs> that's the one I said. <laughs> You don't even believe it. Uh-uh. I, be- I believe it with every fiber of my being that that's 100% true. You made it a hotline. I made it a hot song. That's, that's not even accurate. Yeah. Just because it's not accurate. It was a, the world is yours wasn't a hot song. Let's be for real. Come on, man. What are, you, what are we talking about here? That's not even an accurate statement. Uh-huh. It, what, that so, the world is yours is a hot song. But we're going to pretend it's not? Just because Jay Z said it? No, we're gonna go off of. You know what? Nah. Yeah, yeah, that right. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Right, and I'm sticking to this. I still think it was written was better than Illmatic. Listen, we're not having this discussion again. We're not. We're not. We're not having this discussion. Hold again. on, hold on, hold on. I'm. I'm a not like. I, I'm. I'm. I love Hove. I'm not like. That's my goat. Nas is my goal, right? Because you, because you're a smart man. But keep going. It was written as very underrated. It is no, 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 no. Dramatic change. That hold on. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And this, and this is why I'm thank a lean. You. I think Hove is outstanding, right? I just know you can't deny it. Of course. But this is why I think I'm. I give the edge to Nas. Obviously, I'm a Nas guy, but Hove was on his Dos Effects thing until Illmatic came out. He changed his whole game up. When that sound came out, I say this all the time. Nas so is a prodigy. And then, then, then the beef. You know why the beef really started? Because Nas was he was on his artist. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing a song with this. I'm, I'm cool. I don't know homie. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it started catching little feelings, and that's kind of how it. So I think Nas' influence on Jay Z alone. I mean, you you, you can't deny it now. The whole figured it out, and I think a lot of people, you know, obviously, you, you know, you can debate the, the 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 rhyming between the two of them, but I think people give Hope the the benefit of the doubt because he had more of a business mind, and you know, he ran with the money and and did some real some real things in terms of being a businessman that Nas just wasn't into at the time. So I think people get clouded by that part of it. Um, but to be honest, when it comes to the lyrics, you can, flip and, you can flip a coin. But I just think what Nas did was more impactful in terms of substance. Like, Hove came and spit and, you know, made me want to wear, you know, a tra- a, a, took on my yellow gold and turn, changed to platinum and white gold and started wearing jerseys and did button-ups and all of that. He did that. Don't get he me had, wrong. He, he, he had your Mitchell and Ness, uh, you know, spending your money on Mitchell and Ness, yeah. He had me buying button yeah. So he influenced the culture to, like, nobody else. Listen, man. And I think that's what people see. But I think when it comes to just pure, the pure artistry of it, I think Nas influenced him to a degree where it's hard to say. Of course he did. Hard to say. Of course he did. But I love both, man. It's like Mike. Is, I love both, man. I he's love, a natural dude. Dude is a natural. That's that's what it is. Just think about think about that album though, and the content, and what age he was on Illmatic. Like, think about that. The, the what he was talking about, and the pictures he was painting at eighteen. He's a prodigy. He was crazy. a prodigy. He was a prodigy. That's that. that it's that's natural <laughs> talent, man. He was a prodigy. I'm just gonna let the listeners know this. Queens <laughs> is closer to the Bronx. <laughs> okay, what, what, what that has not, listen and no you're not gonna try to bring this back and make it into a Queensbridge bro. Don't do that. Don't don't do let them I'm, I'm an MOP. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I MOP it, I cool G it, like BK is B B I G. I'm I'm fast. This is I'm what I this is what this is what I try to explain when every time these conversations come up. It's not a slight against anybody else. He was just that good. What? That that's it's not a slight against anybody else. He's just that good that you can't. He just he got to a place that nobody else could get to. That's it. It's not it's not a slight against anybody else. It's not a slight against any other album. It was written reasonable. That is not a slight. They just couldn't get there. That's it. It's okay. He got pure, real disappointment in his face, too. <laughs> but, because you can't, it just is. You know what? You know why I'm pissed right now? I'm, I'm pissed because, T. Rich, I went to the game just for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not personal, man. But I just told you, I'm, I'm, I'm off with Coogee Rap and, 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 and MOP and all the Brooklyn dudes, man. Just not on that one. But hell, now, now we're going to flip it on Matt, though. And I know, Matt, you, you're not from Queensbridge, right? No, but, no sir. No, sir. KRS One killed Queens, man. He, he really, talk to me about your feelings. Listen, about listen, 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 listen. Talk to listen. me about that, and we got to make this quick. Open up a can of worms, real quick. We got to make this quick because the teacher. I mean, that's now KRS One, but the K- teacher is different. That's different. Hey, hey. KRS is one of the most. You, I'm just gonna let you hear it. I'm just gonna let listen, you hear it. Hey, man. KRS is one of the most. I, let me start. Go back. I respect him, his contribution oh, to hip hop and all of that. Meeting. I respect his contribution to the art form, to the culture, and all of well, that. Well, make me press leave this meeting, man. Come on. He's one of the most overrated rappers in I the knew history he was of this. And and he got his reputation 
He got his reputation. And I'm going to say this to you as a Bronx dude. And you've been great so far, but I have to say this to you. <laughs> he got his reputation off of battling MC Shan, who at the time had was hot, but he wasn't, he's not a great rapper. So KRS built his reputation out of battling MC Shan. If he had gone at anybody else in the Juice Crew, if he would have went at Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap, and even Rakim, who wasn't necessarily in the Juice Crew, but Marley did some stuff. If he had went out of any of those three goes, yeah, he would have rocked Craig G. I'll give him that. (laughs) If he hadn't gone at at Big Daddy Kane or Cool G Rap or even Rakim, or if those guys decided to get involved because of the Juice Crew thing, they would have ended his career. Because well, he could, because he could not hang with them. First of all, he went at Shaq. So he's not even. He said he said the words of, you know, the, started with with hip hop. Yes, yes, yes. He did. So yes, yeah, yeah, that, that was that was silly. It was silly. That's why was, he got that heat. Yeah, that's silly. But number two, I, I gotta disagree. The teacher, it's come on, man. They would have they would have eaten they would have eaten his lunch. Okay, so okay, they would have eaten his lunch. Okay, I'll let you have that right now because yeah. we, we don't have enough time. So yeah. keep it queens on queens. I would imagine you will believe that L will rock him in a versus battle there. No question. No. Oh, 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 wait, no, you said a versus? Yeah. Um, that's the only, that's the only yeah, battle no, no, L. No, 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 I got you, I got you. Like, it, it would be, L definitely has more, like, hits. You know what I'm saying? Like, he has more hits than than the Energy, Kendrick. though. The energy would be different. Yeah, the, en- the energy is different because L is coming from a different angle, except his early stuff, though. And this right. is where I say where KRS might not even be top five in his own era. Because LL, yeah, yeah, LL, okay. Slick Rick is in there. Not saying he's better, but he's in there. Okay, the rulers, okay. So if I have LL, Slick Rick, and then he's not better than Kane, he's not better than Rakim, and he's not better than G-Rap. So that means that he arguably could not be top five in his own era. So how can you be a GOAT? He's going to force it because he raps. Like, I don't think nobody really wants – now, you might want to play record for record with him, and mm-hmm. I still think that's underrated. I think he's mm-hmm. got more hits than you really remember, to be honest with you. No, he's got – no, no, no. He made great music. Don't I'm not I'm not knocking. Now, he made great music. I'm now, talking, about that, talking about, picking up, I'm I'm talking about with that pen, though. Stuff. I'm talking about with that pen and pad, though. He made great songs. Don't get me wrong. Make great music. Now, I'm for the sake of trying to win the argument, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen – I've been to – a handful of KRS-One shows, they don't want to pick that mic up and go off the top with it. No, no, sure. He puts on a great – he's a great entertainer. Great entertainer. Great entertainer. I'll take that. Listen, we was good for a while, man. Then Mar- you see, Marl's good at that, though. Marl's – I'll give him that. Marl's good at right, that. We were yeah. good for a minute, and then he throws his little, you know, his little jabs in, and he knows how to – I give him – he knows how to – what buttons to push to get me going, and he did that tonight. So, you know. Respect to that man. Made it an entertaining show. You know. That's, that's <laughs> Let me ask but you I'm glad that everybody, you know, basketball-wise, I got blessed tonight, so I'm good. I got one more question on, on the, with the music. Who today could go make it back then where you, you had to go, like, obviously, I'm not saying nobody, you know, obviously some talented dudes today, but be, in a prior era, right, you had to be outside you had to be in the ciphers you had to go through a certain process mm-hmm. to to get on now you can do what we're doing and, and be a, and make a hit sitting behind your computer right. you don't have to face nobody you don't have to battle anything you don't have to prove anything on the street whatever who in this era you think just based off what you hear their talent level would be able to pull it off not pull it not even just pull it off in the era but be able to muscle their way into saying oh okay 
oh, Rakim, Kane, Kuji, Drake. This, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying, Trev, just saying, like, is there anybody that, that pops out to you in the, during this day and age that you say, you know what? I could see him during that Clue era, you know what I'm saying, jumping on mixtapes and, and muscling his way into this thing right now. It's, yeah, that's like, a hard one to figure out, but I'm just curious to know. If and it, well, it depends what you say this era, but the only person, you know, the, the Griselda guys, I, I like what they're doing right now. But I would say outside of that, the person, the, the first person that comes to mind when you said that was uh, Jay Electronica. Mm. He's, a, he's the one that I think, you know, if he had, obviously his lack of material hurts him, but just from a skill perspective, if he was, you know, doing it, around with any in any of those eras in the, the late 80s era early 90s era what he he could have he he would have been in there if he was actually making music you know what's disappointing about him i was just having this guy he missed his window man yeah yeah missed yeah. his window because we was waiting seven, years ago waiting 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 to the point where even the one he dropped with hold was like eh, i'm yeah. i listen to it cool but i right. it didn't have me mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying juiced up like like five, six, seven years ago waiting on him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's a talented dude, though. He, he's yeah. he definitely yeah. from that essence. So that's a good yeah. I think J. Cole would be able to, I think just based off skill and, mm. you know, substance, I think he would be one of the guys mm-hmm. that could muscle his way, not just in, but be a figure mm-hmm. uh, during those times. Um, I don't know, I'm just a little biased, man. You know, I'm starting to get the old man syndrome. Yeah, no, uh, I'll listen. That, that's my, that's my, that's my, that's my whole <laughs> That's my everything. I got. Right, let, 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 let me give one more out. One more. I, I, I can go on all day with this. One more. Imagine this. So, I rarely listen to the radio, but if I do, you know what you hear, right? You hear. Sometimes I don't know if it's you know, just for example, if it's Future or Designer or this guy, like it sound. Imagine hearing like six dudes doing a DMX bar and sounding just like that. Back then, right. imagine six dudes. It would never happen. It would never happen. Never like, happen. I, what happened, man? Like Bite, biting is a cardinal sin, right? Uh, originality. Like what happened to that part of hip hop? That's why I'm saying it's rap now. Like that's mm-hmm. that's hip hop in terms of creating your own lane. Mm-hmm. You don't even want to be associated well, with anything well, biting. Well, you know you, well, you know who started that and made it cool? Jay Z. Mmm. Mmm. Marlon, bring him back. Bring him back. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna even touch that part. <laughs> I will say I didn't even have to see you. You you, you want to shout me? I didn't even have to say it. He knew the answer. Nah, I didn't even have to say it. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like make, taking a hot line and making a hot song. This yeah, is exactly what you say. I didn't even have to say it. Nah, you're taking the hutch on me, so I'm not gonna even. I'm not gonna. Even, I'm not gonna even, <laughs> you're taking the hutch to the white stone. We're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cross Bronx dude. Yeah, cross Bronx to the Throx back. Either way, we're good. <laughs> Either way, try bro, however you want it. We're good. We're good. We're good. White stone, all of it, man. I'm gonna say what what triggered, I guess, this downfall. I, I would say, you know, what was it? Sound SoundCloud, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you, you were able to to put your own stuff out, which is great. Right, but you needed to be signed to be right. solidified to be nice. Is a right? Yeah, there was there was a trials you had to go through. Yeah, no, Hov had to battle DMX. You mm-hmm. kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, think about yo. I had to go. It's like with hooping, right? You would have to go to different boroughs or different parks. Gotta be in the streets. You know how they say I'm in the streets. You had to be in the streets. And I think it was the same thing. For music, man, when guys started 
being able to put their stuff on MySpace and when you had like um, what was the label? Uh, Koch. Koch, right, independent. Yeah. Deals that you can get paid and things like that that it took away from what you was getting with the Def Jams, mm-hmm. right? The bad boy, the early stages, or having to go. Remember, like when you had to go to like Jack the Rapper, like you Jack had the rapper. nice. Yep, Power Summit, all of that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, anybody could just go, and it's like, nah, man, you can't. And if you and you had and if you were willing to put yourself through all of that, off through the ringer to to get to that, you know, to get it. It showed that you were dedicated to it, right? You know, like because it, it was it wasn't just about okay, you know, there were there was some you had you had to be an artist that really cared about it because it would be too if you didn't care about it it would be too hard so you would just say I'm not doing all of this yeah I'm not doing this you drag on right. Right. follow battling dude after dude after dude after dude like oh man like you really had to make your way into the game and I mean I get it you know times are different. Um, but I just def- definitely think it hurts the quality of music overall. No question. Because the process is, is microwave. It's microwave now, man. No just question. throw it in there, 35 seconds, and come out steaming hot. Mm-hmm. going to kill you eventually, but it's coming out, it tastes good at, at first. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, the, the money and everything else, man, it, 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 we just kind of lost control of, 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 of what the, this thing is about. But, you know, it is what it is at this point. And, you know, yeah. hopefully, like you said, like the Griselda – Movement. I'm heavy on that because you mm-hmm. can hear it. You can hear the 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 the, the authenticity, authenticity, mm-hmm. the hunger. Um, and you know, I'm biased. It, it sounds like the golden era New York music. It sounds yeah. like that to me. You know what I'm saying? And and then obviously, you know, the content is a little raw, but it's not just that. Like within what they talking about, they talking about consequences, repercussions. Right. It's lessons and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate what they're doing for sure. They 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 kind of saved me because. Yeah. I didn't know where I was going. They, they give, they, yeah, they, they're, they're holding it down for for our generation. That's for sure. <laughs> so, giving us, giving us flashbacks. No doubt, no yeah. doubt. And you know, they, they getting the love. They getting, they getting the respect from those contemporaries mm-hmm. from our era. And you know, so you know, it's, it's legit, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Wow, this has been great, man. This is an awesome episode. Awesome episode. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. And. Uh, you know, hopefully, man, we, we, like I said earlier, we can get this train on the track and keep it there so we all can, you know, get back to doing what we love to do. Absolutely. And, um, you know, helping these kids, you know, achieve, man. You know, that's what it's about. Absolutely. Yeah, man. man, what you guys got going on right now? What, what is it looking like over there? I don't know. I don't know. They announced our, they announced our season um, for starting January. They haven't told us uh, when we can start working out. So I'm just making sure these guys are doing their schoolwork so everybody be eligible and, you know, taking care of themselves, working out. Like we're not even allowed to really do anything with them because uh, they haven't uh, uh, announced the season. Right. So, you know, just hoping, you know, encouraging them to stay in the best shape that they can right. make sure their grades are straight and um you know well once they give us the green light we'll get after it and see what we can do but i always say i, I know the pressure's on y'all division one guys so yeah y'all gotta do it right you know because right. if y'all don't do if y'all don't do it right they're gonna shut us they're gonna shut us down <laughs> real quick so the pressure's on y'all to make it happen so everybody else seems to be even you know with the <clears throat> college football you know they, they got yeah. they have challenges and yep. nfl's having challenges but yeah. Getting through it. Yeah. And yeah, getting yeah. through it. That's that's key. You know, yeah. without without sacrificing anybody's health and safety. Absolutely. Finding a way to get through it. Cause you know, we know it's coming. You're gonna get hit. You know, yeah. the majority of teams are gonna get hit with it yeah. to some degree. 
It's not an if, it's, it's about a when. The response. Like how do yeah. how do we deal with the response to it? Yeah. You know? yeah. So we'll be all right. We'll be all right. We'll figure it out. We'll no, figure we it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But now definitely appreciate uh Coach Terrence Rencher uh joining us on Bleachers and Boards uh today. This is a great episode. Learned a lot. Um, I'm sure the listeners and the viewers will learn a lot also. And uh, this was a great. Appreciate him sharing with us. And then we got a really good conversation afterwards. Definitely our our, our bleacher talk was uh was on fire today. We, we covered a lot. We covered a lot, which was which was good. So uh, I'm uh, really appreciative of of him coming on. And uh, yeah, Coach Gill, what you got? Oh man, as always, uh, appreciate. You guys can come on here. You know your schedule is busy, so you know Terrence Richard, the the legend. Mm-hmm. And I don't even want to call him the OG man, so I'm just leaving yeah. as the the legend. You know, appreciate you coming on, and you know, once we get going, man, uh, we gotta have you back on here to. Sure. I guess the the barbershop conversation going, man. Because absolutely, you know, man, absolutely, this is great, man. You know, absolutely, you guys got a great platform, man, and I definitely enjoyed every minute of it. Appreciate you know what I mean? That. I got, I got, I always check for my, my, my fellow dudes checking the scores and the box scores, but I definitely put both of y'all on, on my alerts this year, man. So appreciate I got to check for it. It's going to pop up for me. See what y'all doing. Make sure you're, you're handling business like I know you will. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. All right, Marl, take us home. Appreciate Coach Ranger coming on. Uh, for my co-host, Matt Collier, this is Marlon Guild signing out for Bleaches and Boards. Make sure you follow us on social media. Twitter, IG, and on uh, our YouTube page. So without further ado, appreciate you listening. See you on next time. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Well, that's another episode of Bleachers and Boards brought to you by the hoop heads podcast don't forget to check us out on twitter instagram and youtube at bleachers and boards until next time see you soon